Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala and Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petroselli. Rico, my man, how are you, buddy? Good, good. Good to see you again every couple of weeks. And uh, we got a special guest today. We do, and he's right on camera with us right now. Our good friend. He's a legend. He's a hobby legend. That's right. Right? He really is. I mean, he's so, he's very, very, uh, what's the word? He doesn't like to talk about, he's like you. No, that's how But he is. He's. And now, now the time, we, what are we doing the show? Seven, eight Seven years? Seven years, yeah. In that period of time, he's done more to bring, bring this, um, the industry to more success. Former success. CEO of Collectors right. Universe, right. president of PSA, author, hobby expert, Joe Orlando. How are you, Joseph? Father of two. Hey. Father of two boys. Much, but, but I appreciate it. Father of two hellions, right? <laughs> that is true. And <laughs> that uh, is. now an executive vice president for Heritage Auction. Great show today. Joe is going to be with us for most of the show. We have Jared Cavley from Pristine coming in. And don't forget, by the way, you can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, Ask Siri, Ask Alexa. Hey, play the uh, Great American Collectible show. Yeah, right? It's great. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, we're going to open up the show today uh, with... Uh, uh, for those of you that are watching the show and not from the Boston area, uh, we lost an icon this past week uh, in in the city of Boston and in New England, Tim Wakefield, Red Sox Hall of Famer. Now, Tim was a very dear friend of Rico's, number one. Um, and number two, he played for the Red Sox for 17 years. But he was much more than, I mean, third in all-time wins and all of that stuff. But yeah. Tim to Red Sox Nation was so much more than just a Hall of Red Sox Hall of Fame pitcher. Oh yeah, I mean he did so much uh, for the community, the Jimmy Fund uh, uh, for cancer uh, uh, problems, you know, the Dana Farber Cancer Institute. It's really a shock. I mean, a shock every, call yeah, everybody, uh, Joe, everybody in in Red Sox Nation is still in shock. Still in shock. That he passed away and passed away so quickly. I mean, you know, again, for, your, for our viewers and listeners, Tim was doing color for the Red Sox TV broadcast. Uh, he, he was sharing it with Kevin Euclid and Dave O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago, he was doing color uh, for, for the Red Sox. Three weeks ago. And then evidently started complaining about some headaches, went in, and then just... It was it's amazing how quickly, he quickly uh, he he went. So, uh, sad. Really yeah, very sad. very sad situation. Fifty seven years old. And That's I was nice. watching the thing. The thing is, is that on Sunday, I don't even know if, if you were watching on Sunday. On Sunday, it was the last game of the season. Red Sox playing the Orioles, yeah. and uh, the pregame show with uh, Jim Rice and uh, what's his name, the other guy, Donato. No, no, the uh, the uh, I can't remember his name. Babe Ruth. They were told on the air live 
that he had passed away. Oh, wow, that must have been And it was just, it was amazing. It was very, very uh, shocking on the air to watch these guys getting word that he had passed away. And then when they switched to Dave O'Brien in the booth with uh, Euclid, Euclid, you know, he couldn't talk. I mean, yeah. he, was, oh, he was crying. It was, it was just... It's really sad. But anyways, a tribute to Tim Wakefield, Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico. I know he was a friend of yours. And by the way, Tim, Tim was a... He put the arm on us. I was telling Joe, he put the arm on Ellen and I and Lisa Sherber for the uh, uh, Tim Wakefield Foundation for the Jimmy Fund about four or five years ago. I had to drive up to Fenway and drop off 200 books <laughs> for, of the See, Cracker Jack that, <laughs> uh, that they use as a giveaway for his, uh, yeah. his golf uh, uh, tournament. So anyways, Tim Wakefield, rest in peace. Yes. All right, let's get to our other good friend here, uh, Mr. Orlando from... Uh, Heritage Auctions. Joe, first of all, man, thanks for coming on. How's it going with Heritage? I mean, this is a, a you know, now you've been with them now for a little over a year? Yeah, a little over a year now. And you how's know, it working out? I mean, it's, it's, it's a different world uh, other than what you were doing. Are you liking it? Is it exciting? Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, are you traveling a lot? Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a great experience, and you know you, you go into it with high expectations because I was a big fan of Heritage, you know, for a long time as a hobbyist, as a customer, and also as someone at, at uh, PSA and collectors who worked with Heritage um, and serviced them, you know, for submissions and so forth. So had high expectations coming in, and it's uh, it's exceeded them for me. So I I've really enjoyed it. Do a little bit of traveling with you know for consigners, auctions, that sort of thing. Uh, working on content, working on a lot, a couple special projects behind the scenes, and hopefully we can talk about some of those in the coming months. But uh, it's been a great experience so far. Are you st- are you were doing a newsletter? Uh, are you still doing the newsletter? Or you were you were writing because some of them were fabulous. Oh, thanks. No, I, I yeah, I've been I've been writing for both the Intelligent Collector, which is uh, not just sports; it's everything. It covers a variety of categories at, at Heritage, and then also the sports newsletter uh, at Heritage as well. Good. Is there is this some part of your job that you really love? I mean, I know you love it all, but is there a particular thing you know that really gets you excited? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny when I. When I came on board, or right before I came on board, um, someone at Heritage said, you know, we'd like to use you like a Swiss Army knife. And I kind of like that idea because I get to do a lot of different things. I don't get, you know, to do just one thing. I get to kind of, you know, do a lot of different things, and that makes it more enjoyable. But I would say, gosh, of of all the things, I think it's probably a combination of both. I, I really enjoy the kind of the education, the content side of things, and then I also... Look, I, I know it sounds corny, but helping consigners. I mean, like helping oh, them yeah. work through collections and try and, and trying our best at Heritage to maximize results. I, there, there's something about that, that that I really enjoy. And so nice. you're building relationships with these uh, individuals and then, again, trying to assist them in bringing their collections to market. I mean, as a fellow collector, I just I appreciate that role very much. Yeah. Joe, have you had to uh, find yourself in a position where you had to break bad news to a consigner after sitting with him and say it's not real? Of course, you know it, it's it's a little bit different because now I can just blame PSA. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no it, it's a, it's a little bit different of a role. Of course, before 
you are literally in the position, you know, as, as a third-party authentication and grading service, you are the judge and jury. Sure. Here, you're sort of an intermediary, but but yeah, sometimes you have to deliver that news when you're evaluating a collection for consignment, and you might recognize some things that are okay to continue on, and then some other things that, that uh, you know, are, are likely not genuine, and, and you have to deliver that, but being in it, it's much better being in this role and delivering that message versus the the prior role. Uh, the modern market, of course. That's oh, uh, stop with uh, this modern market no, stuff. You, all right, you Please. see, Joe, is it is it coming back? I know they had it had a rough period of time, but how's it doing now? Hopefully, not well. See, <laughs> I'm sorry. See what I mean? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Over here. Um, look, it's it, it, certainly over the past year, the modern market is corrected. Um, and that's, but by the way, I know it's painful for some while it's happening, but that's not a bad, necessarily a bad thing for the long-term health of the hobby. And I, and I will say this, in case I forget to mention it later, one of the things I was really pleasantly surprised about is that you had this modern market correction happening in in prior months leading up to the national and you were there tom you saw it with your own eyes record-breaking attendance and an absolute ton of younger people at that show after the market corrected itself and to me that tell that tells me that there there is this is this is sustainable that people are sticking with it even with the correction in prior, you know, periods of market correction, going back 20 years, going back 10 or 15 years before that, it's very common for people to kind of jump off when when those things happen. They bail on what they just jumped into. And, and in this case, you know, it was, I mean, for anyone who was at the National this year, it was really a sight to see, again, so many people overall, but so many young people and that was after the market had already started to correct itself. So that was extremely encouraging just from an industry standpoint. Joe, do you think that, uh, and by the way, we're talking to obviously to Joe Orlando, executive vice president of Heritage. Joe, do you think that with that correction and the young people that were at the national, do you think any of them kind of dipped their toe into the vintage waters um, as a result of the market correcting itself to kind of educate themselves and maybe dabble in it a little bit? Yeah, I, I think that's just generally the, the natural progression of things. You know, people come in, of course, what do we all do when we start? We start collecting modern. That's what we all right. start collecting generally. I mean, not in all cases, but in 99.9% sure. of cases. And I think it's just part of the natural evolution or progression of a collector's journey. And so, yeah, once people come in, they get a taste of it. I think, you know, as we've talked about before, it's I as someone who has collected both in my life, I completely understand and appreciate the attraction to collecting current players. Why? Because it's a reality show every day. If you're watching the sport, it's the the, the story is being written right before your eyes and there's an exciting part of that. But to balance out your collection, I, I always found it interesting to do, even when I was a young person, to do both because you start learning about history and you go back in time. And the vintage, while vintage can go up and down too, I mean, a market is a market. It can go up, it can go down, it could stay the same. Yeah. But the swings in vintage generally are not as great. They're not as big. So it kind of steadies the collecting ship 
if you, you expand a little in the vintage as well. So um, again, incredibly encouraging um, attendance and sites at the national this year. Yeah. I have to ask this question. It's a, uh... Uh, view of uh, uh, Wakefield passing away, and of course Brooks Robinson. Joe, when a player passes away, a good question. does his card increase the value? Or I mean, guy like Brooks Robinson, I would just love to have his card. You know what I mean? I, I have an autograph of yeah. him too. But I mean, it was—he was the greatest. Uh, does it does it go up or just stay the same? I think the effect, I think the, the short answer is yes, but the effect in terms of how much it affects the player depends on the circumstances, I think, around that person's passing. Um, generally speaking, if it's something that is more expected and it's taken time to get there, it's not as dramatic. Um, but when it happens suddenly, it tends to bring that person's accomplishments to the forefront in a way um, you know, coupled with the shock of the event. So, for example, going back in, in a little bit of time here, when Kobe yeah. tragically mm, yes. uh, perished in that helicopter crash, yeah. I mean, that was so sudden and so unexpected. It, it did something to his memorabilia and cards that, uh, I mean, it was it was a very sort of rare instance where his his material exploded after that point because I think it really brought his life and accomplishments, you know, to the forefront and, and people, again, because it was so shocking, he was so young, mm. it was so unexpected. It had, a, I think, a greater impact and a, maybe a more lasting impact. And in some cases, you know, in the case of Brooks Robinson, um, obviously he was a, he was a, an older gentleman, a, a wonderful player and a wonderful person. Um, it has a little bit of an effect, but it's not as shocking. And so it just, I, I think it, there's always some impact because it brings the accomplishments back into the public eye, into the forefront. But I think the, the degree of impact differs depending on the circumstances around the, the person's passing. A little later on, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, in, in my segment, uh, another Gax moment, we're going to talk about uh, Brooks. Oh, I know Brooks. he was a good friend of yours. Yeah, uh, Joe, last week... We got onto the subject. Uh, who was? Oh, Dan, Danny Wilkin from Memory Lane was on with us, and I, I brought up a, a, the question that I have mixed feelings about influences. Um, and you know, I go on. Uh, my point was that there are some really good, legitimate influences, and then there are some quote influences that are trying to manipulate the market. And I, based on the fact, if you do a little digging, that some of these, quote, influencers are really representing bigger companies and encouraging younger people to, to, to zero in on a particular card or cards. I find it very frustrating because not all influencers are like that. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, boy. <laughs> this is an interesting subject. Um, yeah, I, I would say this. I, I certainly don't think it's limited to our hobby. Oh, and, and I agree with that. Yes, you're yeah, right. It's, it's sort of a, this is a generational thing. It's yes. a cultural thing happening where it's amazing. You can be an influencer. You could have a platform on various uh, you know, social media, yet you don't necessarily have to know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I, I think it's really important that hobbyists discern between influencers, 
whether it's podcasters, you know, video, whatever, whatever their platform is, anything on social media to, to discern between quality content and if they're adding value to your experience or if they're just trying to push a certain agenda or if they're just influencers without a whole lot of um, knowledge or, or they're not providing a lot of, you know, hobby expertise. So you could be a, uh, you could have a tremendous following and not necessarily have much value to offer or much expertise. So it's just important for hobbyists to kind of discern there and, and make sure that they're getting value in return for their time, because that's basically how influencers are making their time through clicks and the time spent watching exactly. their product, their videos, their content. Right. It's great. It's great information for the collectors that are watching. Especially, especially you, if you, you know, you're a young collector and you're watching, listen, if, if an influencer is going to make a recommendation, fine, listen to what he has to say, but you've got to do, you've got to do some of the research and some of the work yourself to, to research a particular card, a particular player, Right? Yeah, of course. Uh, you want to know something about it. But as uh, Joe has said in the past, that most of the young, especially the young uh, uh, collectors, they might love a particular player or, you know, just love collecting. And so, you know, they're going to go in that direction. But you got to peel, you got to peel some of the, no, onion, I understand. Some of, the of, of, of the skin off yeah. because you know, a, a, a lot of times as you peel the skin off the onion, you're going to see that, Hey, this guy that's recommending this card kind of has money invested in this company. You know what I mean? And it happens and it's happened a lot and you got to be careful of that. That's all. Oh yeah. Veteran, you know, uh, veteran uh, collectors. Yeah. Uh, might be able to do that, but I'm talking about the younger ones. Well, I mean, too, exactly. Yeah, yeah, those who... Joe, what were you going to say? I mean, even in the modern market, I mean, we've talked about it before, the dollars have gotten so big in the current, you know, environment. So even with modern, you have to do, you have to educate yourself. You have to take the time, ask questions, ask other veterans of the hobby. But really, again, it's, it's about delivering value. And if those influencers or podcasters, social media personalities, if they're delivering value for you, um, great. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a lot who don't. Um, it's just more about, you know, shock value and clickbait and that sort of thing, which is not the same thing as delivering expertise and value. So just something to keep in mind as, as you, again, uh, go through your hobby journey. Good. All right, we're going to take yeah. a quick break. Joe Orlando from Heritage Auctions is in the house. Uh, when we come back, uh, another Gax moment. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardcode.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. 
For more than 30 years, Robert Edward Auctions has been the industry leader when it comes to helping you realize the most money for your baseball cards and sports memorabilia. In addition to their unparalleled reputation for honesty and integrity, they reach the largest number of bidders in the business and offer lower seller's fees, as well as generous cash advances up front on your valuable material. Contact them today at 908-226-9900. That's 908-226-9900 or at robertedwardauction.com. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Mr. P, why don't you tell us about our good friends at the CSA show, Chantilly. What if, what if I don't want it? Well, you have to. I know. You're getting paid big money. It's a great show. CSA show is proud to present the Chantilly show being held on October 20th, October 20th to the 22nd, held at the De Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia, just minutes from the Dulles International Airport. They're celebrating over 27 years at the same location. There'll be over 300 dealer tables exhibiting on over 100,000 square feet of space. 
With both vintage sports cards and memorabilia, as well as modern-day sports treasures, you won't have to look very far for that special card, bat, ball, or autograph. Major auction houses and third-party grading companies will be on site to assist you with your collecting and authentication needs. Now, look, look, let me tell you, look at this. Some of your favorite superstars will be on hand, including baseball legends Johnny Bench, Cal Ripken Jr. Hold on, Johnny Bench, who kicked your ass. Cal Ripken Jr., the greatest shortstop, I think, in my opinion, Ozzie Smith. Second best. Pete Rose, football Hall of Famers, Joe Montana, Jerome Bettis, Mean Joe Green, and many, many more. For more information, go to the Chantilly Show where you can find all of your sports collectible treasures. Are you kidding me? I, I would go to the. I got a. What oh, by the it? way, well, hold on. By the way, there is a rumor jo- circulating. Johnny Bench. Yeah, kick your ass. Oh, so what? Well, I'm just saying. Not the only one. I'm just saying. Um, go ahead. Not for nothing, but there's a rumor circulating that. Um, one Rico Petroselli and possibly John Mallory will be at the CSA shows in March doing a book signing, uh, autograph signing, doing the show from there. Any truth to that? No. That's what I'm hearing. No, nope, nope, nope. All right. It is time for another Gax moment brought to you by our good friend Paul Borges and PB Collectibles, your neighborhood card shop. Go to pbcollectibles.com to find that special card or piece of memorabilia. This one here uh, has to do with a Hall of Famer. As a matter of fact, it's one Hall of Famer honoring another. In 1971, my partner, Red Sox Hall of Famer Rico Petroselli, made the move from shortstop to third base. Now, here's the backstory to that. The backstory is that the Red Sox were actually trying to make a deal for uh, all-star third baseman Ron Santo. Enrico was going to stay at shortstop. However, the deal fell through, so then they had an opportunity to acquire uh, another Hall of Fame shortstop, Luis Aparicio. So they, were, they asked Rico, they said, Rico, would you mind making the move from shortstop to third base? And Rico being Rico said, absolutely not. I have no problem with it. I mean, we're bringing in Aparicio. This guy's great. And Red Sox knew they weren't going to lose a step with Rico at third base. Last week, Rico and I were having dinner uh, with myself and Ellen and Rico and Elsie at uh, a local restaurant. And I asked Rico the question. I said, Rico, I know you were really good friends with Brooks Robinson. Uh, you guys played together for 13 years. Um, what kind of a guy was he? And is, did, you, did you learn a lot from him? And Rico said, listen, there were two people two third base mentors of mine. One was Red Sox Hall of Famer Frank Malzone, who I learned a lot from working on a daily basis. He said, but playing with Brooks, I mean, playing against Brooks and knowing Brooks, I began watching him like a hawk. I had the honor of, 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 this is a quote from Rico, I had the honor and privilege of playing against Brooks for 13 years. We became very good friends over that time. And when I made the move to third, I watched him very closely. His first step was lightning fast, and his hands were beyond spectacular. I mean, you know, an 18-time All-Star, 16 consecutive gold gloves, uh, American League MVP, 
two world's championships, uh, just a phenomenal player. Enrico was adamant in ex- telling me that you could not meet a nicer guy than Brooks Robinson. So I guess the bottom line here is that an 18-time All-Star with 16 consecutive gold gloves, my partner telling me what a great player he was, I guess you can't argue with Rico on this one. And that's another Tito's, another Tito's six moment. That's another Gax moment. Okay, we are chatting with Joe Orlando from Heritage Auctions. A Hall of Famer. Who's that, Joe? Joe. Oh, Joe is definitely a Hall of Famer. Joe is definitely a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure of what. <laughs> Joe, you know, I just uh, I did the Gax moment, as you just saw. And it was a Freudian slip because uh, years ago, I used to do a, a similar segment called Another T206 Moment. You remember those? I remember that we did the little short videos too. We did a lot of those. We used to do them on uh, on Facebook and YouTube, and they, they got tremendous reviews. I would talk about a T206 player and yeah. do, do a narrative like this, and the, the, the byline was, and that's another T206 moment. Yeah, so that nice. was a Freudian cool. slip. Joe, uh, you guys have an auction coming up. Uh, actually, I think it's going on now with these Type 1 photos. Can you tell us a little bit about that? All photos? Yeah, so in, in oct- this month, we have an auction that has photos from all different sort of walks of life or categories. So it's not just sports. It's an all-encompassing uh, photo auction that has photos from their historical, entertainment, of course, sports. Um, but we, have, we decided to kind of mix things up and, and put together an auction like that that would have a little something for everyone. And there's, um, there's some very very interesting photos uh, in this auction coming up. You know, I, I just have a question. What uh, a photo, in, I'm just talking about the worth of it. What if it's a photo to someone? In other words, say Brooks Robinson signs a photo for... To whoever. Yeah, to you, let's say. But it's going to be a type one photo. No, yeah, it, let's say it is. Is that as valuable as just the autograph? So he, yeah, if we're just if we're focusing on personalizations versus non-personalized uh, signed photos, whether whether they're uh, you know original vintage photos or not, it, again it depends. The general rule is: look, if you all things being equal about the photo, if you can find one of Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig with a non-personalized versus personalized, the non-personalized one has more demand because it just that's the way collectors like it they like it without the name however Hmm. there are plenty of cases where that personalization means something it's from one famous person to another or it's something significant it's it 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 marks a significant moment in time and that personalization or inscription matters to the content Hmm. of that photo and autograph so the general rule is yeah if you're just talking about your run-of-the-mill sort of autograph rules look most people would prefer non-personalized but if the personalization connects to something important there there are exceptions to the rule joe you know based on the auctions that you guys run the 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 weekly auctions the sunday sports auctions uh, uh the platinum auctions the monthly stuff that you guys do how 
I mean, how big of an inventory do you guys have for cards and memorabilia? I mean, you must have a warehouse because I'm sure, I mean, I know that you guys are probably working around the clock accumulating, but I mean, you must have enough inventory down the road to, to, to be significant. Well, it's, it's constant. And it, when I say constant, it's constant in and it's constant out. So because we're doing weeklies, we're doing monthlies, we're doing these special um, sort of uh, events like Platinum that have a tremendous amount of cachet, there's a lot of in and out. But for anyone who has had the opportunity to come out to the Dallas headquarters, I mean, it's the, the, the building is the size of a few football fields. I really? Mean, it's enormous. I mean, and, and keep in mind that Heritage, I mean, I work for sports specifically, but Heritage caters to a, a wide variety of categories. I mean, we were talking not, not long ago, it was a few months back. I mean, we had the Cheers bar. You know, at I the, know. In addition to like the, the All in the Family set and all these things that are actually much larger and more cumbersome than, let's say, coins or cards or autographed photos. So the, the amount of space that Heritage needs to, to, to keep this machine moving at all times, it's, it's a tremendous operation, and it's, it's an enormous facility. Yeah. I want to ask you about the vault. What happened with the vault? Yeah, yeah, this whole vault thing. Let's talk about that. The vault. What the, what the hell is the vault? <laughs> well... Yeah, you know, again, we could spend a lot of time on this. So a, a few years back, uh, some companies in the industry started to uh, work on this vault concept. Now he's going to be very careful here. It's not for everybody. Work. It's not for everybody. Um, if you're if you're someone who likes to be surrounded by your collectibles and want to touch and feel them, it's certainly not for you. However, I will say this. Because the market has changed so much and the dollars have gotten so much bigger, pretty much across the board, across all sports categories. I mean, I can tell you, I've talked to collectors that have started to, to, to say they don't feel comfortable having all of their collectibles in their homes anymore. Um, and so, you know, for some of them, it's a way to protect their collections and perhaps they can enjoy their collectibles in a digital form, whether it's through photos on their phone, what, whatever it is. But part of it is security um, and safety, and it's and it's a matter of comfort. Of you know, we we've how many times have we've talked about insurance, collectibles insurance right. on 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 yeah. your program here? Right. I mean, some people would rather have their most prized or highest value material um, off site, away from their home, ah. away from their office. And so, for some, it may not be for you, and it may not be for me, but for some, I can understand um, that feeling. And so. It's the concept is still there. Um, there's been, you know, it's sort of fluctuated in terms of popularity, but I don't think the concept, I can't imagine it's going to go away. I do think it's kind of, it's one of those concepts that's here to stay, whether or not the majority of collectors uh, take part in that remains to be seen, but there is a purpose for it um, if you're feeling that way about your collection. Yeah. Yeah. We are chatting with Joe Orlando from Heritage Auctions. And guess what time it is right now, Rico? It's time for On Deck oh my with God. Rico. He answered a tough question. On Deck with Richard Petroselli. On Deck with Richard Petroselli. I love that. On deck with Richard Petroselli. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right, it's time for our segment On Deck with Rico, brought to you by our good friend Brian Dwyer and the great staff at REA Auctions. 
Don't forget to get your bid in by going to robertedwardauctions.com. That's Robert Edward Auctions for extraordinary results and extraordinary service. Now, this question this week was submitted by my son-in-law Ooh. out in California, Dan Shapiro. Okay. And, Dan, if you're listening, no, there's no shot of you getting a T-shirt. Zero. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> nice. All right. So nice he father. said, can you ask, and you've met Dan. He said, yeah. can you ask Rico uh, a couple of, couple of questions? He wants your thoughts. You ready? Yes, I Killebrew am. or Kaline? Killebrew, who would I rather have? Killebrew, Killebrew or Kaline? Who's the better player? Two, two, uh, you got to answer the question. All right, I just but let me just say, Killebrew and Kaline, two different styles. I know players. that. Uh, if I want home runs and RBIs, I mean, every year forty home runs over hundred RBIs, I want Killebrew. Okay. Yeah. Kaline was a better all-around player. Okay, Great. you can only pick one guy in well, your team. Well, I'm not. <laughs> you have to. Uh, you can only jeez. You can only pick one guy. Um, Who's it going to be? I'll take Killebrew. I would. I would go with Killebrew. Yeah, jeez. Uh, Joe, it's a who would you go with? Kalen was great. <laughs> who would I go with? Yeah. Well, I, look. I, I while I didn't have the uh, the the privilege of uh, watching either one uh, play while I, I while I was uh, born or after I was born. Um, I, I've always been a I, I'm enamored with the power guy, so of course I, I would take Killer Brew. I, I, I agree I just, with that. Yeah, oh, Killer right. Brew. Yeah. It changed the game with one swing. You know that. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yes, sir. Brett or Boggs? Oh my God. Oh, Boggs made himself a hell of a third baseman. Gold Glove actually close to it. I mean, Brett was just a great player, all around player. Not a great fielder. You know, adequate. Um, but I got to go with Brett. Boy, it's just tough. Boggs, one year, Boggs hit one pop-up to the infield the whole year. He hit 24 home runs one year, too. Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, Boggs was, he was a great hitter. Great eyes. Yeah, and uh, although Brett was a hell of a player. Uh, Joe, so uh, what do you like? You know, I, I both, obviously both great, great all-around players. But I, I, pro- I think Brett's probably a little bit, Bet all the way around, a little bit more pop in his bat. Uh, defensively, maybe a little, you know, again, I, I, I defer to Rico on that, but I, my impression growing up, you know, and watching both of them play was that maybe Brett was a little bit better defensively as well. So I think all the way around, I'd probably go with Brett. Rick, last one. Great one. Great Sudden Sam McDowell Ooh. or Sonny Seabird? Ooh, I got the chills. Sudden now. Sam or Sonny Seabird? Wow. Well, Sonny, uh, Sonny. One year we had him, and uh, he was had sixteen. Yeah, 17, sixteen wins. Sixteen wins, and he had a chance to get twenty. And he was he was up in age then, wasn't he? Well, yeah, a little bit. What thirty something five, let's say. Uh, but he says now nah, uh, I'm going to shut it down because if, if I go twenty, they're going to expect it every year. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> he, he was he was a heck of a he had great stuff, but I got to go with Sam. Sam, hundred mile an hour fastball. Um, you faced him a lot, right? Yeah, a lot. And uh, if he had some better hitting teams, I think he would have had an even better record. But he had he had great stuff, boy. I tell you, he we go into Cleveland, he knocks knock Yaz down every <laughs> single game, man alive. Would he really? Oh yeah, but Yaz, it didn't bother you. I used to love him. I, I, again, tough. Joe, just before Woo! your time, but I, Sam, I used to Sam McDowell, man. He was he was like sudden Sam. He was good. He was very good. Yes, he was. All right, uh, let's get back to uh, Mr. Orlando. Joe, what is, what's, what's hot right now in the memorabilia world? Is it still the basic, I mean, you know, shirts, game-used shirts, 
uh, uh, jerseys, uh, bats, balls. Uh, what about ephemera, contracts, tickets, things like that? Is there anything in particular that is like jumps out? You know, it's funny. In thinking about this, um, you know, look, really, when, when you, you started off with game-worn and game-used, I think game-worn and game-used, that is special. Some ones that, you know, jerseys and bats and that sort of thing that you can pin to either a great season, a great game, something like that, a world championship season, those just continue to pull away from the rest of the pack. But I'm going to, I'm going to take a different approach to this because over the past two or three years, we've watched really almost every segment of sports collectibles have its moments. We've talked about tickets going up and right. we've talked about original photos earlier, vintage photos. We've talked about, you know, cards of obviously they led the way um, in exploding in this market over the past few years. I, I'm going to take a different sort of approach to this question, if it's okay. Something that I'm noticing in, in the market um, is the generational cycle taking place. And what I mean by that is there, there seems to be a couple of different generational cycles. So let me explain real quick. So you have that, what I would call kind of the first cycle, where people get into, let's call it around their, the age of 30, they're settling into their lives, they're far enough away from their youth where now nostalgia means something. So you'll see kind of one generational cycle take place when people get into that age range. Hmm. But now I'm in what I would call the next uh, generational cycle, which is I'm going to be 52 this month. And so I grew up, the 70s have a a special place in my heart as a collector and a sports fan. So what I've noticed is now when I'm watching watching our auctions and other auctions, what's happening in the market, 70s material is starting to get a lot more respect. I mean, you're starting to see prices for both sets and individual cards in the 70s. And for the longest time, I mean, if you go back 10, 15, 20 years, the 70s didn't get a whole lot of respect. It's almost like the respect stopped in the 60s, like 50s and 60s cards, memorabilia, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. had one level of respect. And then in the 70s, it kind of dropped off. That's changing. I mean, we had... We had several full sets in this last auction that just closed go into into six figures, 100 grand, 200 grand plus for 75 and 79 and 71s. And so now people of my generation that are in their, let's say, 50 plus age for the next, you know, as long as we're on this earth, you know, breathing oxygen for the next 25 years, that's going to be nostalgia for someone like me and and people that that grew up during the same time that I did. So all of a sudden the players from those generations, whether it's game worn or other types of memorabilia or the cards from that generation are, are going kind of next level. So if, if you pay attention to the auction results, you certainly see that with cards and you're starting to see that with memorabilia as well, especially game worn and game used. We have a chat with Joe Orlando from heritage auctions. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jared Cabley from Pristine Auctions is going to join us. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. 
In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE 
or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. Hey, for the best uh, on-time service and new ideas for your next project, give Petroselli Marketing Group a call. They're at 800-264-4294. Or go to their website at Petroselli, MKT, PetroselliMarketing.com. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Michael's going to be joining us. Yeah. Good yeah. kid. Mike's a good kid. Yeah, he is. All right, listen. Uh, Jared's in the house. Jared Cadley from Pristine Auctions. Jared, Jared, how are you? Hey, Jared. Hey, guys. How Jared, are you? Jared, do you know good Joe? You. Have you guys ever met? Joe Orlando? What's that? I said, do you know Joe? Have you guys ever met? Uh, I definitely know him. I don't know. I'm sure we've crossed paths, but I don't know if I've. Uh, directly met him actually. Oh, Joe, say hi to Jared. Uh, Jared, Jared and Joe. Hey, hey, Joe. <laughs> hey, Jared. Listen, uh, you know we were talking about pristine auctions. You guys are dramatically different than many of the other auction houses. Very, very unique in what you do. Uh, you have ten-minute auctions. Tell us about the ten-minute auction just out of the gate, for instance. Yeah, that's. One of our more popular ones, so um, on our site every day on a schedule, um, I think it starts, of course, every time zone's different. It starts at noon our time here in Arizona, um, so I guess that'd be 3 p.m. Eastern. So 10 items are live for 10 minutes, and there's no extended bidding, so uh, it's pretty rapid fire. So as soon as those 10 are done, 10 more pop up, and they're only live for 10 minutes. What so are you- something to watch. Um, we just actually added to that it, the ability. So it used to be you can only – if you're here, you can see it. If not, you're not going to see what's coming, which was kind of fun. And yeah. I did like that. But we added now that you can actually look at the future auction. So today's auction, if you log on to the website, you can see everything that's scheduled for today in the 10-minute. And that way you can come on once. You can set up your alerts. And then you don't have to stick around the entire time. You can kind of look through the auction and then and then bounce and wait for your alerts. So Very interesting. Makes what's, it a little more usable. What, ty- what type of items do you have, those 10 items? Is it uh, all baseball or – you know, it's a mixture. So there, there's a variety. Um, it's just, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know often what's popping up. And there's some some pretty high-value things periodically that pop up there. Yeah. Uh, and then we got on Sundays, we theme it with sports cards. So there's uh, singles, graded raw. There's uh, boxes. So we try to theme it as much as we can, just sports cards on Sunday. But otherwise, it's... Everything is Everything, in there. Yeah. And then you also have your classic auctions, elite auctions, uh, uh, coin auctions. I mean, uh, fine art, a little of everything. How many employees do you have, Jared? Uh, we're a little over 100. 
little over 100 employees, yeah. so it's a good sized company, yep. very good sized company. Yeah. Tell yeah, us, we got a great team. Tell us about the Kevin Harvick Foundation because you guys do a lot of uh, you guys do a lot of charity work. Can you tell us about yeah. the uh, Kevin Harvick uh, Foundation? Yeah, so that one just finished. We we do a lot of charitable work with uh, NASCAR drivers in general. It's something that I'm passionate about the sport, um, and so we've gotten to know a lot of the drivers and have worked with a lot of their foundations. So we actually just finished. With the Dale Jr. Foundation, we did the glove auction. Every year they have the, all the drivers at Bristol wore, wore uh, Dale Jr. gloves. Uh, we auctioned those off for his charity. Um, we just finished one with Kevin Harvick's foundation. Um, and that's just, uh, actually, I think, I think that just finished yesterday. Um, Kyle Larson's foundation we work with and do something with him every year. So, yeah, we definitely, uh, you know, really enjoy the sport. The, the NASCAR community is awesome. So we've really enjoyed getting to know some of those guys and then uh, help out their charities whenever we can. Yeah, I was just thinking of NASCAR. It's kind of a niche, uh, yeah. right? I mean, you know, the, yeah. not everybody likes it. We, get, we have uh, the uh, up in New Hampshire, in New Hampshire Speedway. Oh, sure. And but it is a niche, though. You're right. Yeah, but I'm saying that place is packed. They're passionate, though. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a... Uh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, definitely passionate fans for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's an interesting sport. You know, several years ago, I really wasn't paying attention, but as I started to get to know the sport a little bit, um, you know, I know a lot of people think it's just going around in ovals, and of course, that's a lot of it. Sure, <laughs> there's so much more to the sport. Um, and if you just go spend a weekend at the racetrack and just understand what goes into these cars and uh, how much passion there is behind, you know, with each race team and how many people are on each race team, you know, I think that's eye opening for a lot of people. Um, and that becomes interesting, you know. And when you have when you have a, a a horse in the race, you know, if you if you pick a driver, get to know a driver, and that's really how I got into it. We worked with Kyle Larson. He was the first autograph signing we did in the NASCAR community, and so he was the guy I was watching. And so I was super passionate. Um, my kids got into it, and we were just we were hardcore Carl Kyle Larson fans. And then it kind of evolved from there. We got to know some other guys. Yeah. Uh, hey, Joe, I know you have to run. Uh, you've got a, a about a pretty full day ahead of you. Uh, Joe Orlando, Executive Vice President, Heritage Auctions. Your website address, Joe, is ha.com. Uh, ha.com for the, for the uh, big one. And, and you were interrupting me. I was uh, just scrolling through Pristine Auction. He and does that all the time. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, we, we uh, ha.com or sports.ha.com if you're looking just to uh, go to the sports. All right, Joe. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Today. Jared, you're going to stick with us. Fabulous. Joe's got to run. Joe, say hi to the gang. Say hi to Chris and Derek. Take care. We'll talk to you. Take care. Joe Orlando, Executive Vice President. Uh, Hey, Jared, um, let's talk about some of the other. I mean, you do history. You do music. You do pop culture, soccer. I mean, wrestling. A little of everything. Do I mean, where does this stuff come from? Does it just filter into? uh, Do you have specific guys that work for you that go out and seek wrestling memorabilia or uh, music memorabilia. How does it work? Yeah, I mean, nearly everything is consigned to us. Probably 99% of what you see in our auction is consigned. Um, And we've just developed relationships over the years with uh, a lot of people in the business um, that work primarily directly with athletes. So, you know, a lot of the stuff you see in our auction is more, I'd call it more more approachable for the everyday fan. You know, we, we don't necessarily get the $100,000 Babe Ruth bat. You know, the other guys that you spoke to, um, you know, Heritage is probably one of the places you'll find that. Um, however, we are growing that category. So one thing we just did is our elite auction just became a no reserve format. Oh, really? Um, okay. And we only do a, we only have 100 spots for that. So that's been really popular. Consigners are kind of fighting over those spots because we do a lot of marketing there. Um, and that's growing a little more of our premium category. 
Um, but always our bread and butter is going to be the everyday collector. You know, we, we really want to cater to every budget. I think we've done that really well. Um, and the elite auction is, is going to add to that. Well, you know, something. it's funny that you mentioned that because I get input from collectors, when, especially when I'm speaking to them, like at the national. And you're dead on. I mean, you guys have a niche. And again, we've always called it the 80-20 rule. And you guys really appeal to that 80%, maybe 90% of the market that is not going to spend a half a million dollars on a game used bat or, or, or you know, a, a, a T206 Wagner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, 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 that's, a, in my opinion, that's a very strong, that is the strongest part of the hobby, is that market that, that goes after the stuff that, uh, that mm-hmm. you guys are auctioning off. Isn't that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely something we've always, really from the start, we've all, you know, and myself as a collector too, you know, I always wanted our auction to appeal to really everybody and be approachable. So I, I think that speaks to our team too. We've got such a great team here. I think our entire team's very approachable. Um, you know, we love interacting with our buyers, our sellers, you know, when we go to the shows. Um, I think that's something that's always set us apart is our team's uh, got a great, great team. You know, we've got a couple of minutes left. Can you give us a little background on the company? You How long did you buy the company? Did you start the company? Uh, give us a little background on Pristine. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I've just always been a collector. Um, you know, out here, uh, I'm, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where we're based. Yep. And I've, I've stayed here. One of the few guys who actually didn't take out, get, out of, get out of Phoenix based off the weather, you know. But uh, uh, I started running around getting autographs. Spring training was here in town, fall league, you know, things like that. And then I got started getting into basketball. You know, obviously we have all the sports teams here. So I just started collecting on my own and then uh, eventually got so much stuff that I started dabbling with selling some of it. And it was some nice extra money, especially as a high schooler, you know. Sure. So uh, once I did that a little bit, I started to learn what I did and didn't like. I used some different auction houses. I used eBay. Um, all great platforms, but there were things I did and didn't like about each. And so we decided in 2010, my wife and I just talked and said, Hey, let's give it a shot. Let's do our own. So we started, I paid some guys in Canada, like three grand to start our original website. Um, and, uh, we were off and running. And so I started with my own collection and then very shortly after, you know, we were always open as a consignment shop, Um, but you know, you can't out of the gate, get consignments. You sort of got to prove your value. So, man, my wife and I were just plugging away anywhere we could We could talk about our business for free. So one place we would go is like Craigslist, right? It's a little tricky, but if you if you go plug away at Craigslist, you can get some free ads up there and send people to your website. I think it's probably harder now, but, you know, 10 years ago, it was a little sure. bit easier. Um, and so we would just as much as we could, we, you know, we took on no debt. We took on no investors. We just we just uh, put on our bootstraps and, and uh, tried to make it work on That's our own. That's an amazing... And slowly we started getting some uh, consigners, some really good consigners that have been with us kind of the entire time mm. and uh, took good care of them. And that's kind of how it grew. It's, it's an amazing story. Can I ask what your, we have about a minute and a half. What can may I ask? And you don't have to share it, what your revenue is a, a year, like in, in auctions. Yeah. We're about right around 90 million <laughs> at this point. 90 million. Yeah. Also, <laughs> you have a newsletter, right? And uh, give information right to collectors. And uh, what, what other information do you million. have on it? Your newsletter, uh, news. Yeah, I mean, we have a we have a whole marketing team here that's sending stuff out really on a daily basis, yeah. just letting people know what's going on in our auction for sure. You know, Septon man, I, these are the these are the stories we love to hear. Yeah, it's you amazing. Know, a, a, a guy and his wife start a company uh, just at the, at the bottom, and you're a ninety million dollar company. God, you know, God bless you and congratulations. Yeah, that's great. So, what is your website? Yeah, we've been blessed for sure. Oh, 
Yeah, pristineauction.com. Pristineauctions.com. Jared, thanks so much, man. We love having you. You've been a great sponsor since Dave. You've been a sponsor for this show now for seven years. I don't know if you realize that. Seven and a half years. Yeah. We've been on the air. Time flies when you're having fun. Oh, we have a good time with it. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. I think we're out of time. All right. Have a great week. And you too. See you, Jared. Jared, best to your family. And to our viewers and audience, happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.